Welcome to Unchained TV, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and the founder of the Unchained TV free streaming network, Jane Velez Mitchell. You're about to hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your health, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Hello, everybody. I am so jazzed, delighted, excited to have one of my favorite people on the planet with us today, Chef Mario Fabri. He was one of the first vegan cooking shows on television. And you can see he did it for a long time because he has a lot of different hairstyles. (laughs) It's unbelievable. And we are so thrilled that Right now on Unchained TV, 22 episodes of Trying Vegan with Mario are streaming. So you just can go to watch.unchainedtv.com or just go to unchainedtv.com and you can see this incredible cooking show. Take a look at some of the dishes. Oh my gosh, that avocado toast totally taken to the next level. Uh, Chef Mario Fabri, wow. How did you learn to cook the way you do? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to have all my shows on your streaming service. It is such an honor with everything that you've been doing for the vegan movement. The transformations that you've had in people's lives is incredible. So it's just an honor and pleasure to be here. And learning how to cook, I mean, it goes way back. I guess we'll start with the inception. So I actually was born to the father of an owner of an Italian sausage factory. So I grew up in the food business my entire life. My first job was 14 years old at a pizzeria. And growing up working at a sausage factory, I always thought I'd be a part of the food business in some way or another. And you know, I remember being just a little kid in the kitchen with my grandma Rosie, testing different spice blends for her Italian sausages and Italian beefs, uh, and just being fascinated by the food industry. But not even realizing that many years later, I would go the complete opposite direction, still in the food industry, but leave the meat supplying industry, become vegan and start learning how to cook vegan food. So I always knew I was interested in the food, uh, but I didn't know in what way it would turn out. And once I turned about, you know, in my early 20s, I witnessed one of my best friends go through an incredible transformation. He lost a ton of weight, totally did the whole glow up thing got new energy, transformed his attitude about life. Uh, And that was one of the first things that really inspired me to rethink the food that I was eating because what he had mentioned was he just started eating more plant-based food and that's what started to transform his body and his health. Uh, He ditched the fast food, he ditched the Italian sausage uh, and I saw it make a huge difference in his life. So I thought, you know, I know a lot about food. Uh, This is something that I wanna commit my life to Uh, But now I'm starting to think maybe that eating sausage for breakfast, lunch, and dinner isn't necessarily the best way to do it. Uh, I was blessed uh, living in Boulder, Colorado, where I was getting interested in videography and film. And I thought, you know, why not start making some cooking videos where I learn about food and share the things that I'm learning. And through that whole process, I read a ton of books. One of my favorite books was Eat to Live by Dr. Joel Furman. And that book really put the science and the data and the research behind the transformation that I saw happen in my friend. So once I saw a doctor talk about how he was reversing serious chronic illnesses like heart disease and diabetes, uh, and even talking about the effects food can have on cancer, 
And then not only was he talking about it, but he showed me and introduced me to people who had gone through this transformation where they went from the standard American diet, uh, you know, eating the, the sausage patty breakfast sandwiches from McDonald's. And now they're eating healthy whole foods. They're eating plant-based and they no longer have issues with heart disease. They are no longer needing these dramatic heart surgeries that are supposedly going to save their lives, but all they really did was change the way that they eat. So once I saw the transformation that food could have on your body, it made me realize that, you know, I need to start eating some of this food. And I'm not going to lie, the first time I ate a kale salad, I, I, couldn't, even, I couldn't even get it down. So from there, I went back to my roots of testing different spice blends and trying to figure out the best recipes, the things I grew up learning about, and decided to apply it towards food. So I took that inspiration and that background in the food industry and just started studying and learning and studying. And I'm a firm believer that you can learn how to do something through experience. You can learn how to do something from your self-research. And one of the best ways to learn how to do something is ask people who know how to do it. So as you can see on my cooking show, one of the things I did to learn how to cook was I started inviting these expert chefs. Like there's a picture on the screen right now. That was me with a chef near the Grand Canyon. And he prepares these incredible vegan burgers. He teaches me how to, how to whip together something that's hearty, that's filling, that's delicious, but it's plant-based. One of the main ingredients in that burger is hemp seeds. It's just so good for you. And I was able to learn from a pro who manages the kitchens of like five different restaurants, came into his kitchen. He taught me some tips. And with my background and my learning and passion for videography, we started turning it into a cooking show that eventually became Try and Vegan with Mario. There we have a tempeh bacon sandwich. Uh, there we have, uh, I'm, I'm out with uh, some, some famous DJs, Cruella. I had fun teaching them a recipe. But it really was that dedication to making food that I could actually enjoy because I was so addicted to the high sodium, high fat, high meat diet that I had grown up on that I was accustomed to that I, I thought I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Uh, so it was just a quick knowledge from experts and, you know, trial and error. Well, I'm so impressed. I had so many questions, but we've already got a caller. Michelle from Los Angeles, your question, your thought for Chef Mario Fabri of Trying Vegan with Mario, now streaming on Unchained TV. Hi, Jane. Hi, Mario. Thanks for having me. Um, very inspiring story. I also was able to help my mom um, get off of her diabetes medication, heart medication, and all of that, high blood pressure medication, um, because I had to cook for her. I started as a vegan eating out all the time, and it wasn't until I had to cook for her that I started cooking for me. So I guess my question is, what advice would you give as far as shaking it up and making it less boring with the spices and everything? Because I don't really cook, but I've become a cook, and I don't know how to combine things. I just test things. What's your best advice for that? Um, and what's your favorite dish to make that's easy? That's a good one. So my advice for that is a good way to start is think of like a, a cultural essence because a lot of different cultural foods have like core spice blends. Uh, like when I'm thinking about like Italian cooking, it was like anise and fennel and kind of these like hot peppery, but adding a little bit of sweetness. So we got anise, we got fennel, uh, we got garlic, paprika, onion powder, 
so that's like kind of the core in Italian cooking. And then if you think of something like Indian food, you got your cumin, you got your turmeric, uh, you got more of these kind of earthy, like hot, kicky in the back of the throat spices. Uh, and then, you know, there's Mexican food and uh, there's there's so many different varieties of cultures. And if you just do a little bit of research into like a cultural food, you'll find that there's there's typically like four to to six spices that go in almost every single dish. And then once you once you find the ones that combine well and, and you know like, oh, this is this is like the Italian spice blend, then it becomes like so easy to just apply that to everything. So I'd say, you know, think about like a, a genre of food that you like and then try and master their spice combinations uh, pretty, pretty simply. Um, and then on top of those spices, like throwing in like herbs, uh, help a ton. Basil is one of my favorite things. A quick little tip on basil is that basil and a lot of herbs, they release their flavors when you just like gently rub the, the like leaves. So if you just have a basil plant at home and, and I have one in my kitchen right now, um, you smell it and then take one of the leaves and then just rub the leaves. You'll feel like a little bit of oiliness on your fingers and then you smell it again and the scent and the flavor is like a hundred X. So using herbs and then uh, you don't even have to chop the herbs. If you just take your fingers and you gently tear them and you kind of like massage them. I don't know if you've ever massaged kale. Uh, that's another technique for transforming the texture of kale. But if you just kind of like tear and massage your herbs, it releases like a ton of flavor and a ton of aroma that's going to enhance your cooking a lot. Uh, and then I'll say like my favorite um, kind of quick, easy recipe. This isn't a full complete dish, but it's something that goes great with so many things. And it's it's a very introductory recipe. And, and backing up to my cooking show, you, you can watch this whole episode on Unchained TV. But I do this episode with um, Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. And a lot of us know Mr. Wonderful for being, you know, uh, hardcore, just kind of like the, the the Grinch of Shark Tank. Uh, and you know, somebody who's just going to grill you, uh, and he, you're talking about Kevin O'Leary, Yeah, Kevin O'Leary, uh, Kevin O'Leary from shark tank. Um, and I'm a big shark tank person, you know, I don't necessarily agree with a lot of the, the capitalistic values of the show, but I will say as someone who grew up watching it, it definitely inspired me to take an alternative path. And I don't think I'd be where I am today if not for content like that. So I do have a lot of appreciation for it, but uh, Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, he said he's got a son who has a vegan girlfriend. They do a ton of family dinners, and he has no idea what to make for his son's girlfriend. Uh, so he came to me, and I decided to teach him super simple cashew cheese. And Michelle, you might have made this before. It's it's like one of the first things you learn in vegan cooking sometimes. Um, but all it is is cashews, nutritional yeast, garlic powder, olive oil, I like to add in hemp seeds. Uh, hemp seeds have like an extra creamy, nutty fattiness to it. And the way you make it is you start with a cup of cashews and you soak those in water overnight. So you just take your cashews, you pour them in a bowl of water and you let those soak, leave them in the fridge overnight or for at least two hours. What that's going to do is it's going to soften up the cashews. You'll even see after if you take a cashew out of the water and you squeeze it through your fingers, it's going to break up pretty easily. So it's going to soften the cashews. And then it removes this like kind of like film layer that's on the outside of a cashew nut uh, that's a little bit harder to digest and has, you know, not the most appealing flavor of the cashew to it. So you soak your cashews overnight and then you take that one cup of cashews, 
you put it in with a drizzle, you put it in a blender with a drizzle of olive oil, uh, about a teaspoon of garlic powder, um, about like, I go like two or three tablespoons of nutritional yeast because I love that stuff. Uh, and then add in about a tablespoon of hemp seeds, a sprinkle of salt, a, a little, little juice of a half of a lemon. And then you blend that and you can eat it right out of the blender. It's really good. If you refrigerate it, refrigerate it it'll firm up a little bit and have a little bit of a thicker texture. Uh, but that cashew cheese, spread it on a sandwich, throw it in your pasta, even like top it on a salad. If you know, with Mr. Wonderful, he made a Greek salad, which is basically just like cucumbers and tomatoes and red onions. Um, and a lot of times those Greek salads, they'll have like feta on top of them. So they'll have like a crumbly cheese. And I told him just, you know, takes the cashew cheese and drop a dollop here, a dollop here, a dollop here. Uh, and, and that'll be like your cheesiness to your Greek salad and it'll make it be. And so that cashew cheese is a really good, uh, first recipe I love to teach people. We've got another caller, Nilo Far from Dallas, Texas. Your question or thought for Chef Mario Fabri, whose 22 episodes are now streaming on Unchained TV. Hello. I'm an animal activist in Dallas, Fort Worth, and I'm so thrilled to get acquainted with your work on Unchained TV. Um, according to the abolitionist approach to animal rights, the moral baseline should be veganism. For example, Dr. Foreman is not a vegan physician as he discusses minimizing animal products, and veganism is about taking a stand against speciesism. Springboarding on your major TikTok and Instagram success, do you occasionally insert ethical arguments? Thanks. Let me answer that first, uh, and then I'll give it to you, because this is something that I heard from Gene Bauer of Farm Sanctuary, which is we accept people wherever they are on the journey. Very few of us were born vegan. I just did a podcast this morning where I explained to the host how I went vegan after the fourth generation uh, cattle rancher turned vegan activist Howard Lyman uh, was my interview subject. And then he basically confronted me after the interview and I was uh, a vegetarian and he, he convinced me to go vegan in about two seconds by calling dairy liquid meat and pointing at my nose. But the point is that, uh, I had a long transition and most people have a transition. It's a process, not an event for some people. It's an event. But for 99% of the people, it's, it's, it's a process. And I know you started your sh cooking show before you were 100% vegan, and now you are. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, correct. Uh, so the inception of the show was I was actually representing non-vegans. I was Chef Mario, or not even Chef Mario at the time. I was just Mario who worked at his dad's sausage factory who grew up eating the most insane meat diet. And then all of a sudden out of the blue learned about, you know, health benefits of plant-based food. And then also started to learn about, you know, the consciousness inside of an animal and, and the way that we can treat animals with such more compassion and, and view them as a different thing. Others, other than, you know, just, just meat, especially growing up around a sausage factory. Like I literally like, I mean, it's gross to think about and talk about, but like a sausage factory, it's just, it's just pork carcasses. You know, we would get carcasses shipped to the factory and then they'd get cut down and then they'd get ground up and turn into sausage and meatballs. So that was like so normal for me. Um, and the show was all about, can I be 
can I be, you know, can I transform my opinion? Can I find food that I like? Uh, and it started out as just being a cooking show and it started out being like learning about food because I got brought in from the health benefits. But I, I eventually early on in this actually met, met Jane uh, and she was the first person that really opened me up to the animal's perspective of the food that I had been eating previously. So it, for me, it was a long transformation. And then uh, even from there, it was, you know, so heavily inspired. And then I wanted to, you know, go back to my dad and tell him, dad, we got to shut down the sausage factory, you know? And I remember coming home for Christmas dinner and transforming all of his, uh, his family famous holiday recipes and trying to veganize them. And we got in a, a serious argument uh, and a serious fight. And I, I realized that, uh, you know, for me, it took some time. So for me to come home and just expect him to change overnight, especially when his life was ingrained in this way of thinking even longer than my mine was. My grandpa started the sausage factory. My dad was working at it from birth, grew it, took over the business. And now I'm expecting him to just change overnight, quit his business that is his, his income and completely change his perspective uh, because I come home for a holiday dinner and I realize that you know, for some people, it is that light switch. For some people, I do think for sure that you can you you don't even recognize animal slaughter, and then you see it, then you realize it. I think that that approach might apply a lot better to younger people. I don't know how graphic we want to uh, show the food industry towards people who are like under fourteen years old, but I think you know the earlier you start, the earlier you make that connection that. You know, you don't want to be eating this animal. This animal is just like your puppy. This animal is just like your kitten. You know, you have that that youthful uh, that you know your 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 brain is a little bit more plastic in your way of thinking. That I think perhaps that's a quicker quicker way to make that transition. But uh, you know, again, I noticed in my dad, like this has been his entire life. Uh, so I definitely think that for me, it was about taking a slower approach with certain people. You know, definitely, definitely jumping the gun and 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 trying to express all my feelings for the animals right out the gate. But if that didn't click, then it was, you know, I really want to get through to this person. And I understand it's it's it could be hard for some people. It could be hard to make that connection. It could be hard to change your beliefs about anything, anything you've believed your whole life for fifty years. All of a sudden, someone's trying to change it, and that could be challenging. So uh, I definitely think that there is a a different, different change that could happen amongst everybody. And, you know, it's my mission, especially through my cooking show to, uh, I don't talk as much about the animal advocacy. My, my main goal with the show is make food that tastes so good that people don't even think about it. Uh, make food that makes people not even acknowledge the fact that they're changing the way that they eat. And then that connection might become easier for them. That's just my approach, but I certainly, uh, you know, am open to feedback and other ways of doing it. But well, you absolutely do that as I was uploading all your videos and I had seen the show before, but I really got a chance to study it. And honestly, I was taking notes because I want to make a cauliflower wings and you have a great cauliflower wings recipe. Just for example, I love to make vegan cupcakes. That's a little more elevated. I don't know if I'm there yet, but I think I can handle the, the cupcakes. But the other thing that I really love about your show, and it's particularly when Dr. Joel Furman is on, is that you talk about 
the nutritional value of vegan foods like turmeric, like hemp seeds. Let's check out this little clip and we'll talk about it on the other side. Turmeric right here. Turmeric, very powerful yes. anti-cancer material. Yes. That's right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's anti-inflammatory. Yep, and it stops the cancer cell growth, right? It's incredible. That's why this whole um, dish is so spectacular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's squeeze in. We got one tablespoon of peanut butter. All right, good. Well, here's the. And then we're going to add the hemp seeds. The hemp seeds are high in protein, but keep in mind, this recipe has no oil in it. All the fat's going to come from the peanut butter okay. and the hemp seeds and the coconut. In other words, whole food fats, because the whole food gives you nutrients. Rather, the oil doesn't give you any nutrients and no fiber and no protein. Hemp seeds are high in protein. The peanut butter is okay. high in protein. So, so when you take something like hemp or olives and then you... you um, What's the word for it? You squeeze it. You, you just pressurize the oil it. Out of it. Yeah. You threw yeah, you away the fiber. You threw away the oil. Exactly. You refine it, and then you're just left with that fat, and that fat is what's going to make you fat, right? That's right. No wiser words have ever been spoken. That fat is what's going to make you fat, and you're absolutely right. Um, I honestly, it was a while back that got the wake up call from somebody who said that I was pouring all this oil and I never even thought of the calories. Like when you look at an ice cream, a vegan ice cream or a vegan cake, you think, okay, that's got calories, but you don't honestly think about calories and oil. Now I have the spray and I just try to spray a tiny little bit. Uh, if I need to spray, not taking, I'm no longer drenching anything with oil. Yeah, uh, like one tablespoon of olive oil is like 120 calories. Uh, it's it's a lot. And that clip is kind of a great example of where this show came from and is gone. You know, that was one of the earlier episodes where I didn't really know what I was doing in a kitchen. You know, I was like trying hemp seeds for the first time. Now I'm preaching hemp seeds. Now I'm eating tons of hemp seeds. So it was it was people showing me the food that helped make that transformation for me. So, uh, yeah, that's that's a good little tip from Dr. Furman. Again, he's he's the he's the doctor expert, um, and yeah, very grateful to learn those lessons. And I've taken those recipes and I make them all the time today. So let me say that I find your personal story fascinating. You are third generation in the meat industry, and you had a change. So. I'm very curious about a couple of things. First of all, I'd like to say that some of the leaders in our movement, one is the heir to the Baskin Robbins fortune, who went vegan and has become a bestseller and a very, very huge proponent of a plant-based uh, diet. Um, so it happens. There's another man I know who is was an heir to a, some kind of meat fortune, and I only found that out surreptitiously, but who runs a major vegan site. So I think it's not as uncommon as we think, but I want to go back to your father. I don't know if your father and your grandfather are here with us, but have they changed it all? How do they think about, how do they feel about your show and your transformation? Yeah. So my dad is with us and I mean, he loves it. He, he supports anything that I do. Uh, and he'll like, you know, it's a, it's a point of pride anytime he eats a vegan dish. He hasn't totally transformed the way that he eats. Um, and he's very supportive. You know, we even experimented with making vegan sausages and trying to see if that was attainable for his business. Um, and I'd have him test out different vegan sausages from the grocery stores that I would bring home or he would test out my recipes. So he's certainly been supportive. He's continued to uh, educate me on how to make the best foods. He's a little bit of a food scientist, so he knows how to 
create emulsifying ingredients. He knows how to let proteins sit and rest so that they form a more meaty texture. And he knows how to apply that towards different types of ingredients, even in the plant-based realm. So we've just really scratched the surface. Um, you know, it's, it would be a dream. My girlfriend and I joke about starting our own vegan sausage business and having him be our food scientist. Uh, you know, that's, that's the, that's the long-term dream. But right now we're kind of at that stage where my dad just brags when he eats a vegan meal, he eats more of them than he ever did before. Uh, he hasn't totally, you know, made the shift, but, uh, baby steps. Absolutely. Baby steps. We got to, I always say we don't want to be an exclusive club. We don't want to be a club at all. We want to basically hit the tipping point and become the norm. And um, the clock's ticking. We have a very short period of time to make that transition, uh, a point that actually uh, Dr. Silas Rao and uh, Unchained TV did a documentary of that Dr. Silas Rao. He recently was part of a team that won the Oxford Union debate. Uh, Oxford Union is a debate club associated with Oxford University, and it's very prestigious. The likes of Albert Einstein and Mother Teresa have uh, spoken there. And he was recently a part of this debate, and he made the point that we've got a very short period of time to make the transition to a plant-based diet. Let's hear a little bit about what he said in his winning debate argument, and we'll talk about it on the other side. It is undeniable that human civilization has adversely impacted life support systems on the planet. Scientists have identified nine planetary boundaries that we must stay within for the sustainability of life on Earth. At the moment, we have transgressed six of them. And any one of these transgressions is enough to kill life as we know it on this planet. The good news is that when we go vegan, we help resolve all six of them. That's the power we have as individuals to reverse our existential crisis. Animal agriculture is the leading cause of ecological destruction because it uses 37% of the ice-free land area of the planet just to graze animals while bottom trawling an area of the, uh, of the ocean floor the size of South America every year. So uh, first of all, thanks to Plant-Based News for giving us that clip. Um, again, while I want to take a relaxed approach and give everybody all the time they need. There's also this sense of urgency that due to the destructive nature of animal agriculture and the accelerating climate crisis, I mean, here in LA, we just went through three days of unprecedented storms with catastrophic flooding. I'm happy to say I'm okay, but a lot of people are not. I know just this morning I found out that a party I thought it was going to was canceled because the home was completely flooded. Um, it's happening. It's happening now. And a solution is to switch to a plant-based diet. In fact, uh, there was an Oxford University study recently published in the New York Times that no other publication picked up on that shows that a heavy meat eater, which is most Americans, can reduce their emissions footprint by 75% by switching to a plant-based diet. Of course, no other media picked that up when they spend hours covering what I call catastrophe porn of terrible things happening as a result of climate change. What are your thoughts on that? How do we balance being laid back and kind and take it slow with the approaching, let's face it, climate apocalypse? 
Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I mean, I just want to highlight something you said there, which was catastrophe porn, which unfortunately has become a lot of people's favorite consumption of media these days. Uh, just uh, overwhelming amounts of, of kind of fear that's happening. And it seems like a lot of it is driven by certain types of agendas. So I don't know how, you know, we make this one, the, you know, the one that seems to be one of the most impactful and could have the greatest effect on us, a part of people's priorities. And it's, um, Jane, that's a huge question. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how we can do that. Um, uh, it, it's even overwhelming to think about within myself because, uh, you know, a lot of what I've been talking about today has been taking the the baby steps approach. But, you know, hearing hearing that guy speak, uh, it seems like baby steps might not be enough at this point. Um, well, you're doing your part. And I think if everybody did their part the way you're doing your part, which really is huge, having one of the very first vegan cooking shows on television, mainstream TV, I think we'd be further along. Let me go to a quick caller. We've got Karen in Venice, California. Your question or thought for Chef Mario Fabri, whose series is now streaming on Unchained TV. I, first of all, um, I commend you for you know, for all that you're doing, you know, especially with your upbringing. I apologize for the noise. I'm in the car, by the way. Um, my question to you is, I, I know that you're, you know, your way of getting to people, having them, you know, try to, you know, go vegan um, is through your cooking. What do you do when you're not cooking and you meet somebody and you're having a conversation with a vegan? What's your, like, uh, your elevator, you know, your 60-second, uh, uh, what do you talk to them about to try to help them think in another way? Very good question, and I can reveal that Karen is a chef, uh, and a spectacular vegan chef, who actually has her own show on Unchained TV called Cook Out, which she started during the pandemic where we were cooking outdoors. But, yes, uh, you're always, as well, Karen, carrying the messages. What's your answer to that? My quick elevator pitch for someone who's interested in being vegan is if I can do it, you can do it. I grew up working at an Italian sausage factory surrounded by meat carcasses, thinking that it was the most normal thing on the planet. Not once did I ever view them as a living, breathing, conscious animal that has a heart and a soul. And take a look at a dog and a cat and see that inside of every single other animal. Is that something you'd want? Is that the type of harm you'd want to have to those animals and pets we call our loved ones. That's a quick one. Um, and then another big part of it is, again, trying a few recipes. Go home, try and make something good. Uh, I'll refer them to the cashew cheese. Um, I'll refer them to a stuffed shells recipe. You know, a lot of times 60 seconds turns into me sending them a link for a recipe. Um, so I, I like to start with, you know, if I could do it, you can do it. And then here's two or three tools that you can take with you and actually make some some good food. And a lot of times people are surprised. And then I think the other approach is rather than giving you know my pitch, it's asking them questions. It's inviting them into the conversation. A lot of times it's helping people make the discovery for themselves. Uh, you know, would you want to kill an animal for food if you had to? The answer most definitely for almost everybody is no, unless they're completely closed-minded, then you almost don't have a chance. But that starter question 
really opens people up because a lot of times they'll say no, but it tastes so good. And that's when I throw in a recipe. That's when I throw in a food suggestion. So I'd say starting with my story, how I changed and then asking them, you know, if you didn't have to kill an animal for food, you know, would you prefer that? And a lot of them will say yes. Uh, and then, you know, Karen, you sound like you got some recipes, give them something to eat or if they're local in Los Angeles or wherever you're at, you know, uh, Drop them, drop them a place that they can order some good food from. You know, I, I like to refer a place called um, Butcher's Daughter, uh, a place called Sage, um, Crossroads Kitchen. Those are a couple of my favorites where no doubt non-vegans will show up, eat something that will blow their minds. And it might be the thing that starts them on that path. Yeah. And, you know, uh, another one, you're Italian, I assume, and uh, Tara Punzone has um, Pura Vita which is an Italian restaurant. And she has a similar story. You guys should get together and have a chat about this because she grew up in an Italian family where her parents ran a, um, like a deli kind of restaurant. And she decided at a young age, she wasn't going to eat meat. And she started kind of creating her own little place at the table. She said Sunday dinner was always a big family affair. And she was starting to make her own ricotta, vegan ricotta, vegan this, vegan that. And then she noticed that her other family members were like, I'll take a little bit of that. I'll take a little bit of that. And next, her part of the table get bigger and bigger. And now she's got two very, very successful restaurants here, one in Redondo Beach and one in West Hollywood. Her food is mind-blowing. Like, I'm glad that I'm not that close because <laughs> it'd be 500. I mean, it's so good. The vegan Italian. Can you can you comment a little bit on, it seems like Italian food is very conducive to vegan recipes. Yeah, um, I'd say vegan food and Italian food. I mean, it could be a challenge because, you know, you think about a lot of Italian dishes, it's almost the same version of noodles, meat and cheese and sauce, noodles, meat and cheese and sauce. Which one are you going to choose and how are you going to combine them? Um, but I, I think like the cheese has come a very long way. Um, one of my favorite recipes uh, is for stuffed shells. Stuffed shells was my favorite thing in the world to eat growing up. And you have those little shell shaped noodles. You stuff them with cheese. You cover them with sauce. You bake them in the oven. Uh, and a lot of times that is like a ricotta cheese inside of there. And what I've done to transform that and get the right texture. And this is this is tested on my father, who is my artist critic, my greatest supporter. Uh, he, he liked the stuffed shells. Uh, and what I do for that is I make that cashew cheese I mentioned earlier. I set that aside and then I'll take some tofu and I'll crumble up that tofu in a bowl. And then I'll add in some rosemary, some thyme. Uh, some garlic powder, onion powder, a little bit of salt and crumble that up. And then you add in the cashew cheese to that. Then you mix all that together. Now you have this tofu cashew cheese spiced up crumble. And then I'll saute some spinach and some shallots and some garlic on the stove. And I'll have that all chopped up pretty finely. And then I'll throw that in that mixture. So now we have the cashew cheese, we have the tofu, we have the sauteed spinach, shallots and onions. And then that becomes our stuffing for stuffed shells. And it's better then I'm sorry, grandma, my grandma's stuffed shells. Um, and <laughs> I think that that, that to me is like one of those kind of, you know, it unlocked a little bit of a secret for me in terms of combining a bunch of different things to make something good. Um, still haven't mastered it, still really working on like a healthy whole food plant-based 
um, low oil, low fat without the additives, uh, vegan meatball, but trying to develop some good emulsifying agents, agents for that to really bind it together. Something I did recently that that worked pretty well. It needs some tweaking, but is, is taking some bread and actually soaking it in plant-based milk. Um, and then combining that in with a bunch of like lentils, tomato paste, and tons of spices and seasonings and a little bit of a flax egg. And that kind of binds it all together, but still developing that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I think it's fascinating. I think it's exciting. I think one thing that might be a big commonality is a lot of people in Italy grow their own food. Uh, if you go to Italy, um, there are gardens everywhere. The Amalfi Coast is just mountains. And on every slope of the mountain, there's a little inlet and a garden, inlet, garden. So they they like to grow their own tomatoes. My grandpa growing up, he had the meat factory, but he also had tomatoes and cucumbers in his garden at all times. So I think that they have that salt of the earth relationship to their food and vegetables are very sacred in that growing process. So they're very familiar with it. They're very excited about it. And once you teach an Italian that it could be better for the environment, it's something that uh, they can relate to because they have such a strong relationship with the earth because, you know, maybe their parents, their grandparents grew the food that they ate growing up. So I think that that might be one thing. Uh, I think this is a perfect time for you to do your demonstration. I was so excited awesome. when you said you were willing to do a cooking demo live here on Voice America Radio and Unchained TV. Check it out. Awesome. So we're switching it up. It's not quite a cooking demo, but that's the perfect transition because this is a how to grow your own food demonstration. So I'm going to show you how easy it is to grow sprouts at home. So sprouts, so packed with nutrition. I'm not a doctor, but I talked to some doctors and something like, you know, one broccoli sprout seed has as much nutrition as an entire head of broccoli and sprouts. I'll show you some right here. We got some broccoli sprouts right here. This is where they start or some seeds. So these are some broccoli sprouting seeds. Uh, you could buy these from the internet. Uh, you could probably buy them locally. Um, I got them from a company called the sprouting company. They have really cool kits to help you sprout, but these are the seeds and they require no soil and no sunlight to grow. And it takes about a week and I'll show you how easy it is. So this is a little kit. Okay. that you can get, and really all you need is a jar. This is a fancy jar. I'll show you the other option. You could also do this in a mason jar or a leftover air one jar if you're bougie. Um, this is a jar and it has a little filtered lid. You're just going to need that, some seeds, and some water. Just literally three things. Seeds, jar, water. This is what you do. We'll, we'll, do, it in, we'll do it in my fancy one because I'm actually going to run these. Take the lid off. And then we're going to add about two tablespoons of broccoli seeds to our jar. One, two tablespoons. And then we're going to fill this with water. I'll get myself in the picture a little bit more. Fill it with some water. Just enough to cover them all up. And we'll pop the lid back on. And then the first thing you need to do is you want to let them soak for about eight hours. So actually, 
let's put that aside. So you let these soak for about eight hours and the seeds are just gonna absorb some water. So you could just pour the seeds, let them soak and let that go overnight, about eight hours. And then after you've let them soak for those first eight hours, this is the second step. Step one, you soak. Step two, you're gonna be rinsing them twice a day. Here's how you rinse them. You pour out the water. You could do this over your sink. I don't got a sink back behind me, so we're just gonna do it here. So you pour out the water, you pour in some new water. And again, this has a little filtered top, so it's easy to pour in the water. And you could do this in a mason jar if you don't have the fancy kit. So it's really, really inexpensive to do. So now this is the rinsing phase. Like I said, let's pretend that these have been soaking for about eight hours. And now we're rinsing them. Let's give a little shake, shake. If Jane was here, we'd be doing some version of the blender dance. <laughs> the sprout shaking dance. Doing a little shake, a little shake, shake. And then pour that water out. Okay, that was our rinse. Again, we're pretending this is tomorrow morning after they've been soaking. And then now, again, kind of shake them up. And we're just going to let them stay leaning like that. And this is just going to let any extra water fall out of it. And again, if you have a mason jar, you could literally just do it in a bowl. Go like that. And the water is going to lay out. So that was that process. And then... That was rinse number one of the day, pretend it's the morning. And then you just rinse them twice a day. So you rinse them when you wake up and you rinse them when you go to sleep. And the rinsing is fill it with water, dump out the water, leave it twice a day. And after about three days, you're gonna see little like sprouts. You know, you go to the grocery store, they're a gazillion dollars. There are these little long, little green, about three inch little strips um, and They'll start to grow after one day, after two days, they'll get a little bit longer, three days, they're longer. Um, and after like three days, they're edible. So literally two tablespoons of seeds, a jar and some water, soak them once, rinse them twice a day, every day after that. Don't need soil, don't need sunlight. You could leave them in a cabinet and they'll be growing great. And after, they're done growing. These two tablespoons of seeds are going to be like a massive, like bowl of sprouts. This whole thing is going to be filled up with sprouts. And I've been doing this for the past couple of weeks and it is just like such a rewarding process. And you can do it with broccolis. You could do it with, we got mung bean seeds right here. I got green pea seeds. They all have different health benefits. They all have different growing times. These ones, green peas, is you could harvest these in two days. Two tablespoons of green peas, massive multiple salads in just two days with just water. So such an easy thing to do. The doctors I've talked to will preach the health benefits. I'm not going to because, you know, they're talking about things like sulforaphane and all these complex elements of the seed that I don't fully understand but they've done the research. I trust them. I trust you guys to do your own research. Don't take it from me. I'm just a guy who cooks, who loves to learn. Uh, but sprouts, so healthy for you, so easy to grow, even better for the environment when you do it at home, because it's so much easier for them to just send you a bag of seeds. Like one pound of seeds is going to be 10 pounds of broccoli sprouts. So that this bag 
of seeds, so easy to ship, so easy to get to me. But if I was buying this from the grocery store, this would fill up the entire screen right here once it's fully grown. And then it's all in its own individually wrapped plastic containers. So it's like a tenth of the plastic, a tenth of the shipping cost, uh, and you're doing it at home. Can and you tell me the name of the company to order these products? Yeah. So this, this company is the Sprouting Company. They are amazing, organic. They have these kits that are so easy to do yourself. Uh, they have all the instructions. It is like absolutely fabulously designed. Um, and this is something that I actually learned about recently. You know, hopefully we can get it up on your channel in a little bit. I'm working on a project. Um, but I have a, a meeting actually tonight with the guy who created this company. His name's Doug Evans. He's raw vegan for 20 years. And he did like eating sprouts for 30 days. This guy is the sprouting king. Uh, and I'm going to his place later today. And he's going to give me a full education on sprouting and give me the whole lowdown. So I'm so excited to learn more and dive more into this. What is the name? People want to know, what is the name of that machine that you're like, if they were to order is, that machine? This is uniquely designed by the sprouting company. And it looks like a machine, but really all it is, is a jar with a strainer on the end of it. And, wow. then, like a, and then like a leaning container. And, and again, if you're like, just trying to do this at home, this, this mechanism is the same thing as using a bowl and a mason jar with a mesh screen. And these mesh screens you could get online for pretty cheaply. So this is a mason jar that was just left over from soup I got at Air One. So this-, well, this Keep talking for a second. I wanna yeah. bring you something that I do. And- cool. uh, Yeah. Love it. So this mechanism is very similar to this. This is like, you know, intro, you just got what you got around your house. This is like, I want this to look nice in my kitchen. I'm obsessed with this. You know, this is the this is the level up. And what's nice about them, the Sprouting Company, is they actually have seeds that come in their packages. They're organic seeds that have tons of different varieties. The instructions come in the box, so it's like so easy. You know, well, for yeah. Someone, if you, if you think you you know if you think you're a plant killer, you know, if you try to kill <laughs> your plants and you kill them. This will give you a green thumb confidence. You can do it yourself. Okay, so I have a cat, and uh, <laughs> she loves grass. So I have two of these that I bought online, and I didn't think it was going to grow. I thought, I'm going to get this. It's going to be a waste of money, but I'm going to do it because I didn't like the plastic that the pre-bought came in. Yep. So sure enough, this one is reaching sort of the end, okay. and then I compost and here's the new one, and it works great. I couldn't believe it. It's like a miracle. When you see things growing before your eyes, it's really powerful because we live in this process world where I grew up in Midtown Manhattan. I never touched, a, you know, I never grown anything. But the fact that I did this makes me open to what you're doing because I could actually think maybe it could happen. So I have a couple of quick questions. One is, What's your favorite? Is it you eat it totally raw? And do you eat the whole thing? Like, like for example, this is grass. I mean, you know, if I were to eat grass, which I'm not, you, you see what I'm saying? I'm trying to understand, yep. like, once yeah. you grow this stuff. And I also see a bunch of greens behind you. And I'm wondering if that connects to what you were doing. Not no, these, are, these are 
No, no on the table. The, oh. On the table, there looks like a, in the back oh, there. Yeah. Oh, no, these are tomatoes, onions, okay. and then this is just right. another plant over here. Okay. Um, I don't have any finished ones with me right here because uh, I'm going out of town. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so if you were to, if you're by your computers or whatever it is, just Google, like, sprouts. Like, you, you know, mm -hmm. you. Yeah. I'm sure you've had them. They put them on avocado toast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they are so good just as a replacement for whatever main vegetable you're using in a salad. So if you're using spinach, if you're using kale, if you're using lettuce, just replace it with sprouts. Also so good on like a deli style sandwich, you know, um, uh, I love unreal deli. I don't know if you've heard of them, Yes. but I love unreal deli on a sandwich. You know, you get some you know, you smear some mayonnaise on there, you get some tomatoes, maybe some pickles, then you plop a handful of sprouts on there. And that's absolutely delicious. You know, put it on your toast in the morning. How um, long does it last before it goes bad? How long, does it, how long does it last before it goes bad? It's a pretty quick thing. So you do got to eat them like within three to five days after they're done growing. So like, if you want to lessen your load, like in and I wish I'm bummed. I don't have any finished ones here, but you could just do like one tablespoon. And then like, for me, like I just grew some, you know, I finished them like two days ago. I just took them out of the jar and threw them in the salad and like, boom, super healthy, ready to go meal. Uh, I eat them like before they have a chance to go bad if I'm being smart about it. Um, but they, yeah, they last about like three max five days. Well, first of all, I love this. One reason is that I've always toyed with having a garden but uh, the dirt, the, you know, all of that seems very overwhelming to me. And I don't know if I would do all the purchasing and then not follow up. So I've never done it. But this seems very doable. And I have mason jars coming out of my ears. I got so many mason jars. So I could see myself just ordering the actual peas, uh, which I somehow they appeal to me a little more than the broccoli. But I don't know. Um, it's only two broccoli or peas. Uh, no, broccoli, peas, mung beans, radishes, like pretty much anything. So so these are just normal seeds that would grow into full plants. Like this is kind of like that initial growth phase for almost all vegetables. Um, you're just eating it before it actually grows out of soil. So this is the same seed that I would put in the soil and grow broccoli from. Um, but instead of putting it in soil, we're putting it in water and we're just sprouting it. It's like a it's just, a, it's just a different process, but you could do it with almost any vegetable seed. Um, you could do it with lentils. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's uh, kind of infinite. Well, let me say we only have a couple of minutes. I've been so excited about a having you and your 22 episodes streaming on Unchained TV. They are super fun, and I think more than anything, it shows that eating plant based is not a sacrifice. It's an adventure. And uh, I just want to play one quick clip because you had the famous Lauren Toyota on and she is um, really uh, hot for food is hot show. So let's just check that out really quickly and then we're going to wrap it up. We got our cauliflower right here. Just can you talk me through what do we got to yeah, do? I mean, no need to be too intimidated, but you don't just want to start hacking into this slightly, you know, nice to Okay, yeah. So you just cut off the stem. Okay, starting the stem. You want to take your knife and kind of go in at the base of a stem. Okay. And then you oh, get like, that. this is a, like a nice flourish. You can use all-purpose flour, but we've got rice flour, garlic powder, and onion powder. Okay. So we're essentially making like a savory pancake batter here. Why'd you get into vegan food? 
Well, I had spent a few years like going back and forth from being vegetarian to being omnivore. Okay. I love food. I always cared about what I was eating, wanted to be healthy, wanted to like eat the right things. And so I, I knew I had to make a change. I watched a documentary called Food Inc. Okay, and I watched that. Yeah, that's kind of what got it going in my mind. Like, I need to make a change. Like, I don't want to contribute to this corrupt food system and started experimenting. And that's, I really started hot for food even before I went vegan. There you go. Somebody who's a top vegan right now um, had really, again, not been vegan her whole life. Very few people. I know a couple of born vegans, but they're rare. Hopefully not forever. Uh, final thoughts uh, for this segment. We would love to have you back. You need to have your own show uh, where you talk live about all these fascinating things on top of your cooking show. Thank you. Really quick, I found some. So I have some finished mung bean sprouts. Oh. These are what they're going to look like. They just look like little sprouts. You sprinkle them on a salad. The broccoli ones are a little more green. The radish ones are red. But that, I just want to show you that. Do you have to wash them again after they sprout? Uh, yeah, you just rinse them. You give them that final rinse, and then you throw them in a container and put them in your fridge. Got it. Yep. Final thoughts, my dear. Um, again, we're th we urge everybody, watch. Go to watch.unshainedtv.com. Chef Mario has an entire category of many, many shows, hopefully with more to come, but they're incredible. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to have the show on there. Just shout out a couple of guests and a couple of things you could learn. I do uh, vegan bodybuilding with Brian Turner. This guy is absolutely ripped out of his mind. He talks about how you can get protein as a vegan. He's a big YouTuber. He's done competitions. Uh, he teaches me about some high-protein recipes. Uh, then we also have Cruella, these world famous DJs who say they try and eat healthier when they're on tour because it gives them more energy. Uh, they like Indian food. So I teach them an, uh, an Indian mango kulfi. And then they teach me an incredible salad recipe. Uh, and it just kind of stems and grows and expands from there. So I've had some really cool guests. Uh, we talk about the basics. We talk about health. We talk about street food. So it just kind of you know, non-vegans exploration into vegan food. And then the show kind of takes a shift. You'll see, I go from being the sausage guy learning from the vegan experts to now I am the, you know, experienced vegan teaching people like Mr. Wonderful about vegan food. So you'll see me go and make that transformation in real time from someone who thought they were going to work at a sausage factory uh, to someone who's well-trained, enthusiastic, and excited to teach people about everything I learned. And maybe starting your own vegan sausage factory. I see an entrepreneur with big things to come. And I love uh, Shark Tank because they support a lot of vegan products. Yeah. Mark Cuban may be vegan-ish because yeah. he, he invested in uh, Jenny Goldfarb's um, uh, vegan pastrami company, Mrs. Goldfarb's Real Deli. Uh, you mentioned that you love her food. I love it too. Um, so, Thank you so much for being part of the Unchained TV team. We're, we're really honored to have you. You're doing incredible, incredible work and really making veganism the fun, fun experience that it is. So I would urge everybody, it, please download Unchained TV, the world's only vegan streaming network. We're available for free on any cell phone, on any Samsung smart TV, on any TV with uh, Amazon Fire Stick, Roku device, or Apple TV device. And it's so easy. It's fun. We're mostly volunteer run. Check it out. You just can go to watch.unchainedtv.com on your computer. Or if that's too much, just go to unchainedtv.com. There's a lot of ways to get to us. 
And we're all about just saving the planet, saving the animals, and saving your health. See you next time here on Unchained TV. Thank you, Chef Mario. Thank you for tuning in to Unchained TV. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.